Hi. Hello. I'm Evan. I'm Addie. And you are listening to the Speaking English Podcast, the place to be for anyone who wants to watch more movies or read more books but doesn't know where to start. We're back here for episode 157. Wow. And we return to Wuthering Heights for today. <laughs> if you Can't caught, escape. Yeah, there's no escape. If you caught last week's episode, you'd know that we did Wuthering Heights by Emily Bronte as our book club book. And uh, we decided to check out one of the movies. I didn't realize how many movies there were. I know. For this the- is the first movie, right? Uh, as far as I know, yeah. I think I read somewhere that it had been tried to be adopted as something else before this, maybe a play or something, but this was like the first successful movie. Hmm. The first screen adaptation was in 1920. Oh, okay. But I don't think that exists anymore. Oh, gotcha. Cause it's, it's on letterbox, but seven people have seen it. <laughs> That's funny. Besides that one, this seems like the earliest one. Um, there really are a lot of versions of this. This is crazy. Yeah, so maybe we'll uh, go through and watch every single one. Okay. <laughs> That'll be our next big project. We tier rank every single Weathering Heights adaptation. That is such an intimidating project. I just I keep scrolling through this letterbox list of <laughs> Weathering Heights movies. I don't think we could do it, and I wouldn't want to, because I feel like this is a very hard movie to adapt. Indeed. Um, a little spoiler to my overall thoughts on this one, but I think this one did a good job, mm. but still didn't really adapt it all that much. That didn't great. really do the book. Yeah. So <laughs> it's an interesting one. I wouldn't want to watch like a really poorly done version yeah. of this. Yeah. <laughs> I think that would get old quickly. I agree. No, we're going to talk about the movie in just a second. But uh, first yeah. of all, how's your week been? It's been all right. I'm feeling a lot better than I was from last week. I've been I went to school every day this Excellent week. News. Good student. Excellent news. <laughs> I ate some foods, barely. <laughs> Kept some things down. That was good. Um, I just feel really tired. I've had a lot of stuff to catch up on. And uh I guess I just feel still like kind of shaken up. Like mm. I just feel like a changed person. <laughs> I keep like saying that to everybody who asks me about it. I'm like I just am really not the same person that I was before I went through all that. Like it, it really shook me to my core. Um, so I'm still just, just feeling kind of tired, kind of lethargic, I guess. Um, I'm trying to get back on my feet, but everybody reminded me today that we have like two weeks left of classes. So really I just have to like power through, like yeah. there is no like back to the routine, back to the grind. It's just like, uh, do the bare minimum to finish the semester, basically. Get and then it's at the summer break. So, yeah, I'm feeling all right. How's your week? There you go. Very cool. Glad you're feeling better. Thanks. Um, not a whole much, whole lot has happened this week. I've been kept pretty busy, but uh, nothing that exciting. I guess I got a, I got a haircut. Looks nice. Uh, thanks. <laughs> Congrats. <laughs> um, yeah, and I went to trivia. <laughs> trivia night on tuesday with my parents and uh, that was kind of fun did you win and no the way that they do it at this place is dumb no it's they so the my normal trivia place is back east and so i go there with my friends and then it's fun 
Mm-hmm. Everywhere I go to trivia, they do a slightly different, I feel like. Okay. But at that one, it's all on your phone and there's like an app that you use. Oh, that's um, nice. So the last two weeks, I went with my parents to Red Leg, which is a brewery, and they have their trivia night there. Mm-hmm. And they do it different and it's kind of weird. Okay. Well, it's mostly normal and then the ending is weird. <laughs> so it's it's just like um where you have like everyone has a piece of paper or a booklet, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's rounds of questions and you write down your answers and hand them in and turn it in and they and they score it. Okay. But it's weird and kind of stupid because at the end you wager a certain amount of the points you have on like the final category or whatever. Oh. Um and it's like five questions and you have to get them all right to get any points. Huh. And so it's really dumb because even if you get everything right in first place by a long shot, if you don't like bet all of your points and get the whole question right, then you can't win. So huh, that sucks. which is a bummer because we were in like <sighs> third place going into it. Yeah. We we're like, we did really good on all the questions and then didn't know the final category. Ugh. I was like, hmm. So all that work for nothing. Yeah, that's not very cool. I don't like that system. Yeah. So who knows if I'll go back, but it was pretty fun. Good. Because we did really good on the other part of it. <laughs> good. I don't know. I really like doing trivia stuff. I got to go around and find the best ones. Mm-hmm. That's now good that idea. I have some more time. Nice. Um, yeah, been applying to jobs and stuff. And just today I found out, oh, and doing stuff for my Spain thing. I actually want to point out, I'm going to get my placement sometime next week. So I might Ooh. know where I'm, cool. what school I'm going to be at by the next episode. So that'll be super exciting to kind yeah. of start planning a little bit and like knowing what exactly is going on. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, or more, more so anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, but I got an email earlier today that... There is some class action lawsuit against CU Boulder. Oh my God. Um, not anything crazy, just about during the COVID pandemic that we were still, all the students were still getting charged uh, full price oh, right. for services that weren't being offered and yeah. never refunded or anything. Um, so apparently that settled and I'm going to get some money from it. I don't know how much, but because I was enrolled in school there when that was happening, that uh, I might be, ent- I will be entitled to some compensation. Dude, that's awesome. And I was enrolled at CSU and they were doing the same thing. I hope that somebody sues them. Yeah. Maybe you have to sue them. I can't take that on right now. <laughs> I got too much on my plate. Too much on your plate. Well, apparently this this whole process started like at the time of, and they just settled it. Uh, now. Oh, wow. Okay. So, I, I, apparently it's been going on for a while. I was just oblivious until I was contacted in regards to it. <laughs> cool. And I, I was like, this seems want. like a little bit of a scam, but it, I looked into it and it is a real thing. Wow. Yeah. I hope you get some money. Yeah, which is that's super nice news when I'm trying to save up as much money as I can. So, yeah, totally. So there you have it. Very That's nice. My most exciting news of the last hour or so. <laughs> <laughs> that is really exciting news. Um, yeah. So let's get into it. Weathering Heights. I okay. uh, I, I made a drink. Okay. I got it right here. It's grog. <laughs> What's grog? Um, so I don't know if this is like a Czech drink, but like uh, primarily a Czech drink. 
but it is because it's it was everywhere in Prague, uh, <laughs> especially at like Christmas markets. It's basically just hot rum with water. Interesting. Um, and it's perfect for when you're cold. That's why it's so popular at Christmas <laughs> markets. So like going to the Christmas markets and saying, brr, I'm cold. Brr. And then seeing a grog stand and say, you know what? I can go for some nice grog. That was the, kind <laughs> of the vibes I got from this movie because it just like feels cold and also, was, windy, yeah, which is and also weathering. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so it just seemed to work. So I, I kind of made some of my own. Ideally, you would have cinnamon to kind of just yeah. it and then make it mm -hmm. more spicy. But yeah, it's pretty much just hot water and rum two to one water to rum interesting um just heat it up and maybe a little bit of lime juice to protect from scurvy nice <laughs> I, I floated a, a slice of lime in here so Yummy. that's my drink ideally you also have some cinnamon i love cinnamon grog sounds like a delightful beverage uh, i'd like to try some someday big fan it's already cooled down a little bit so like ideally it would still be really hot okay but yeah big fan and it fits for weathering heights it does a warm mug of grog so there you have it <laughs> uh this movie came out in 1939 directed by william wyler starring Laurence olivier and merle oberon I've never heard of her before, but I thought she did pretty good in this one. I thought so too, except for, you know, who didn't think that she did a good job is Lawrence Olivier. That's what I, I didn't, <laughs> I, I didn't look into it uh, super much, but yeah, th there seemed to be some, some tensions. Yeah. He hated her. A classic. I thought they had great on-screen chemistry for the record. Heathcliff and Kathy. I would say, I think so. Um, but yeah, anything else to introduce us? It is our second movie we've watched from around this time. That is an adaptation of a Gothic novel. Yeah. That we also read starring Laurence Olivier. That is crazy. <laughs> um, so there's that. The other one being Rebecca. If, yes. if you, if you're not a, if you're not, uh, if you're not down with the speaking English lore. <laughs> but uh, yeah, what do you think of this one? Um, I liked it all right for what it is. Uh, mm. But I didn't like it as an adaptation of Wuthering Heights. So I don't know like where you're really supposed to draw the line with these things. <laughs> like if I had just watched it without having reading the book, I think I would have liked it. I would have been like, wow, what an angsty love story yeah. uh, from the 1930s. Cool. Love it. <laughs> um, but like I watched it fresh out of having our conversation about how Wuthering Heights, the novel is a masterpiece on generational trauma and like a really interesting conversation on those types of things and how to break the cycle of like abuse and neglect. And this movie really was like, I don't want to touch that. <laughs> yeah. I simply like, got to pretend that never happened. Um, Cause it didn't even do the entire second half. There were no 
that you couldn't have generational trauma because they didn't do the next generation. generation. (laughs) 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 So I was disappointed in that aspect of it. But at the same time, it's like, before we even watched it, we were like, how are they going to pull that off? Like, I really don't know. And then watching it, you know, you get over halfway through and like Kathy's alive and you're like, um, we got to pick this up. <laughs> uh, so I, I don't know. My feelings are really mixed. What about you? Yeah. Um, I definitely agree with everything that you said. Um, but I don't know how much it bothered me because I kind of, I feel like this did a pretty good job at being a movie of its time specifically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I do have problems with it that mostly stem from what was how, yeah, how well or not it carries across the book mm-hmm. ideas from the book specifically. Yeah. Um, and, but most of those issues can be excused in some point either by saying, okay, well we have to trim this down to like a normal feature length mm-hmm. or, this is a movie coming out in the Hollywood golden age under the Hayes code specifically. Oh, um, cause my, it, it's very, it, it skews the characters a bit to make Heathcliff more, uh, likable. Yeah. He's so hot. <laughs> <laughs> I loved him. in this movie. <laughs> um, and, and I think in doing that, they also just made, other characters just really awful and lost the nuance on some of the others. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, and so that pissed me off. But at the same time, it's like under the Hayes Code, you have to make your protagonist at yeah. least like somewhat redeemable. And yeah. so in in some ways it kind of bugged me that it didn't kind of explore some of these more gray areas and also just kind of changed the way that characters acted from the book. Yeah. um, Even in their context. But at the same time, I think it did a great job at, you know, doing the best it could, I guess. And I thought it was like really excellently shot (laughs) uh, and directed. I think the direction and cinematography in this one are actually super good. Uh, like I was pleasantly surprised. There's there's a a small handful of shots that really like stuck with me in this one. Like what? Uh, so there's one. There's like a low angle at the near the beginning mm-hmm. with Heathcliff and Kathy, and they're just in love, and it mm-hmm. just fades out. And just the way that the sun, like light, is behind them, and it's like low angle, and they're just in. Heather, I guess, is what... Right, (laughs) yeah. Which is, okay. Um, (laughs) And the the next one is that I thought was super cool, just a cool shot, was when Heathcliff comes back to town and Kathy's not looking at him as he's talking to her. And there's um, a really cool shot where they're both kind of taking up halves of the frame. And -hmm. Heathcliff's looking at her and she's looking away in mm. the same way. I don't know. It's just super balanced, super well, mm. like a, just a super cool shot. Nice. Um, and then the other one is there's a, uh, not necessarily like a specific shot that's just super well done, but a, a very forward thinking sequence. I think like something that I wouldn't really expect to see in an older movie like this, mm. um, which is when they're at the ball mm-hmm. and the, someone's playing 
a cool song on the piano. I forget what it is. It's one of those classical standards. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You, you know what I'm talking about. I do. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's a series of shots that kind of goes back and forth and kind of follows their gazes. Heathcliff yeah. and Kathy and Isabella. Yeah. yeah. And just only backgrounded like the music. Mm-hmm. And that's just a sequence that I wouldn't, normally like expect to see in a a Hollywood movie of this era. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I thought it it felt, it felt ahead of its time. It felt something (laughs) more, more modern than than I would normally expect. And I thought that that was really well done. (laughs) I definitely don't think I've seen enough movies from this time to like comment on what, what is, or isn't like, I don't know, kind of futuristic. (laughs) Uh, But I also loved that scene. I like, I don't know. You could just really feel the tension. I loved how intently uh, Heathcliff was staring at her. And I thought that the actress who plays Kathy did such a good job at kind of like squirming, you know, being really obviously uncomfortable with the gaze. And I thought, yeah, that was a great scene. Yeah. And it was just like, it was done very like subtly and just kind of shown through kind of the looks. And I thought that that was impressively done. And also I'm glad that there is that kind of subtlety in it. Mm Because there's a lot of just like loud proclamations in this one too, yeah. you know? Uh, yeah. So I thought that was like a super cool moment. That's so too. Um, I want to bring <laughs> it back kind of towards like more towards the start. Okay. Um, so there's the framing device, which I thought was, was weird that they kept that in there. Uh, yeah. While still kind of, getting rid of most of some of the like important characters, <laughs> especially because they still have the moment where he's like, Oh, is that Mrs. Heathcliff? And then it turns right. out to be Isabella still alive. Yeah. Which is weird. It is weird. Um, and just like the way that they kind of like wrote out uh characters, but still kind of kept that intro and how he stumbles upon it. I know it just, it really didn't add anything. To yeah. I don't know if I like hated it necessarily. I'm just not quite sure about it. It, it feels, yeah. it felt weird. I did like though that he sees Kathy's ghost. I guess if it added anything, mm-hmm. it, it was like that moment for me that it just kind of like paints this picture of like, maybe Wuthering Heights really is haunted <laughs> by an actual ghost, yeah. an apparition. That's kind of interesting, but anybody could have seen the ghost. I don't know. It didn't have to be the whole shebang. Yeah. Um, and also the child, that child actor, I'm glad it was just one scene because all of like the, when they're like very little kids was awful. Yeah. I, was, <laughs> I found it hard to get there. I'm glad it didn't go on longer than it did. <laughs> That's funny. I usually really don't like watching actual kids in movies or mm. TV shows. I just don't stop casting them. Stop putting kids to work. Okay. There's like child labor laws for a reason. And also they're <laughs> bad. <laughs> Well, it's interesting. I don't know. Hmm. I don't know if I can say this. It just came to mind. Mm-hmm. Just whether I think that when there's like one single kid actor <laughs> interacting mm-hmm. with adults, mm-hmm. I've, I'm trying to think of like specific examples, but sometimes it feels a lot better. But when you have to watch kids talk with to kids other. and try That's to a great be point. Dramatic. I love a, I do love a spooky kid, like one possessed kid. Mm. Like I love the exorcism. I love the omen. Um, and I also like the kid in There Will Be Blood. And that's also mm. just a, a one kid show. Mm-hmm. So. 
the in- one kid show i think is yeah a, not necessarily a recipe for success but i think there's there's that That's doesn't good. fall in but yeah yeah i agree with that kids dealing with other kids that's a no <laughs> no go don't want to see it uh also i feel a little bad for i feel like hindley got the short end of the stick <laughs> this this movie was a it was a character assassination on hindley on <laughs> hindley He's insufferable as a kid. And as an adult, you'd see that he's an alcoholic, but you don't see the reasons for it because the wife and Harriton don't exist (laughs) in the movie, Um, which felt bad because it's just like, oh, okay, this guy's just an asshole for no reason. I know. I felt bad because it's like (laughs) there is a lot more nuance there Mm -hmm. that feels it just i guess the biggest thing with this movie is that it just felt very incomplete and i think it's probably yeah. just from having read the book so recently before watching it it's well, like it's like a spark notes with a lot of stuff miss it's like i i agree like the biggest fault of the movie to me is that it just lost so much depth and i keep trying to be like but did it do a good job anyway like regardless of missing out on all of the nuance and the complexity of the book is it a good movie and like, I, d- I don't know. I don't know that it's all that memorable because now it's just become kind of a run of the mill romance with like a backdrop of classism. Like, I really feel mm-hmm. like they played up the classism in this movie that uh, shined through to me much more strongly in the movie than it did in the book. And I started thinking about that because I think that's how they got away with just making Henley an asshole as an adult was like, well, he's just like the spoiled rich kid. Like, obviously he was just gonna gamble it all away you know and like not know the value of money (laughs) in his life or whatever like i think that's what they were trying to say and heathcliff gets to come out on top because he was poor and like that's kind of the vibe that they were going for and kathy deserved to die because she abandoned heathcliff for being poor to live a life of luxury Mm -hmm. which is like fine like i don't know it's like not a horrible argument to make for the time and like classicism is a very serious issue, especially in marriages that were taking place back then. But like, the There's book so much is, more to it than yeah. that. <laughs> the book just is so much better, so much deeper. So I don't know, kind of lost me on that. Uh, I, I found a, a kind of okay analogy. Um, so at Disney World, right? They have, there's that, I remember going to, they have a Beauty and the Beast live show, right? And the first time I went to that when I was little, you know, it's like a 30 minute, 40 minute deal. They do a couple important numbers and they, they go through the story, you know? And when I was watching it, like when I was little, I was like, man, there's, I remember watching this movie and there's like so much more that happens in it. I feel like I'm missing out. And I feel like that's kind of like watching this movie. It's like you, you, you see the progression go and you get detailed of kind of the highlight moments of it. Um, but you're not, it, it feels like you're missing. Like it's not, I don't know. I don't know if that, if that works as an, as an example, but, uh, but it's <laughs> that same kind of feeling of like, yeah, it was good with what I got, but the whole story is, is more. And, and mm-hmm. uh, but that being said, I think it might, I think it did focus on the most important parts. I'm not terribly i mean i'm if it, it, it does feel really weird that they just like cut out all the kids yeah <laughs> all the, the the other people um yeah but 
when I was kind of thinking forward towards like, what would a movie of this book look like? Mm-hmm. I was maybe dreading a little bit that kind of, the, I think like the second section doesn't move nearly as quickly. And as, yeah, yeah. The first one. And, and I think at some points it does even drag a little bit because you kind of, you get it and you know what's like gonna happen and right. it's kind of having the having to read through the details of it actually happening mm-hmm. um so i feel like if they did go for it it would have probably i don't know dragged it out a little bit for what exactly like they went for in this one mm-hmm. i think it tells its <laughs> own story pretty well yeah it's just how well does it kind of line up with what the book is saying and doing yeah and also like how much does its own story like actually really matter you know Mm. like did the world need a movie that's just half of Wuthering Heights that like doesn't really touch on like the actual important themes that the book was trying to say you know I don't I don't really think it did like I just don't know how much this movie like adds to anything except for that book is hot and (laughs) (laughs) the chemistry on screen with with Kathy was like good well I think it kind of I think it did actually a pretty good job at kind of highlighting these um, or just like this theme of like they're the same person and the way that they the way that they went about the conflict was different but I think still effective I think it still worked and in in some ways kind of towards the end when she comes around a little bit yeah yeah but not till she's like literally on the brink of death like in the book i was like they are the same they are two horribly stubborn twisted people who like to torture each other for fun and in this movie i'm like i don't know that i really got on board with that like i was like no heathcliff is a dedicated passionate person who would do anything to be with kathy and she kind of just shrugs him off. She's like, a little wishy-washy. Yeah, yeah. In the movie. Yeah, I guess that's a fair point. I didn't like their dynamic quite as much. Hmm. It, it, it's it's very much simplified, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, which, and I, this is something I've thought about. Um, I feel like this movie might uh, perpetuate a misconception on what the book is about. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I agree. Because I don't think, like, reading the book, you're not supposed to, I feel like you're not supposed to romanticize Heathcliff at all. But in the movie, you definitely do. Oh, romanticize, maybe not, but, like, support. Yeah, no, I, I think you do. I think you are supposed to be kind of rooting for Heathcliff. Um, and you're supposed to feel, like, heartbroken with him when Kathy, like, doesn't really return that. And I think you're supposed to ultimately see, like, Kathy's the villain. Kathy broke Heathcliff's heart. Bummer for him, you know? And in the mm. book, it's like, no. <laughs> that's, mm, that's mm. like, that's not what went down. That's not their dynamic. There's not one person to blame. And I like that version of their relationship yeah. Yeah. Um agreed. I feel like yeah, I, and I'm and I'm trying to think cuz it's like I don't know if if most people will have seen this one or if like how maybe the movie would have like sunk in into pop culture mm-hmm. uh as far as like opinions on it cuz I feel like that's seems to be maybe like a, a misconception that some people w- at least would have going into it. Mm-hmm. Um 
And so is that okay? (laughs) (laughs) Is it okay that the movie did that? But at the same time, you making a movie at this point in time in Hollywood, you kind of have to do that. Mm. Still objectionable. You still, you can't make a Hollywood picture Mm. that is the way that the book goes. It's, it's still ahead of its time, you know, however many (laughs) years later, Um, because, you know, by, by law, by rule of the Hayes code, you have to have certain, and I know we've talked about it on here before, but to anyone listening that didn't hear us talk about it before. <laughs> uh, I can use a refresher as well. Yeah. So like in the 30s, 35, 36, sometime around then, um, under threat of censorship from the government, Hollywood decided to self-censor itself. And uh, this guy, Hayes, uh, created the production code, which is just kind of a list of rules that any Hollywood movie has to follow to be not objectionable to the public. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of these include bad guys can't get away or um, not even bad guys, but just kind of you have to pay characters have to pay for their crimes, bad things that they do. Mm -hmm. And um, rules about like nudity and um, like sexual relationships. Mm-hmm. Like you can only show people like you can't ever show people in the same bed. There's certain things you can do only if they're married or something, uh, <laughs> stuff like that. But I yeah. think in this one specifically is that Heathcliff is the protagonist, but he mm-hmm. is not a good person by any means. Mm-hmm. Um, but you kind of have to portray him as such to make a, a Hollywood studio movie of I this see. book. Gotcha. In order to get it made, have it be allowed. Um, and I think it, it suffers for that because it results in character takedowns of Hindley and Mr. Linton, who's such a dweeb in this movie, by the way. I know. <laughs> Edgar like pissed me off because he's just kind of blatantly prejudiced <laughs> towards Heathcliff. I know. And it just makes you root against him when really he's probably one of the better people in the book. book, I'd probably say. Not without his flaws. He does do things wrong too. Not excusing him completely, but just kind of, so it, it, in order to kind of make sure that Heathcliff is this kind of protagonist, you have to file down his flaws and his faults and the blatantly awful things that he does and kind of amplify the the ill will towards him and kind of the the other people kind of his his uh enemies and have Mm -hmm. them be worse than they are in the book and i think it suffers from it in some ways yeah The, the heathcliff of the movie is just not at all the heathcliff of the book no and more likable more likable the kathy from the movie is also not quite the kathy from the book even though they villainized her over heathcliff i think in the movie Mm -hmm. she's still not as nasty as she is in the books and i wish i wish she was i like sassy kathy yeah, because I think it it doesn't necessarily. I wouldn't say it like dumbs her character down, but it files down her edges too. As far as she's not as interesting yeah. because 
It seems like her motives are more just flat. Like, yeah. yeah. Very just simple. Just live a life of like goods, material goods. Yeah. That's it's like, okay, <laughs> that sucks because she's got a lot of depth in the book. Very nuanced. Yeah. And, uh, more interesting, but way more interesting. They all are. Yeah. Which, I mean, what are you going to do? I don't know. I really don't know what you're going to do. I don't know if it's possible to make a good adaptation of this book. And I'm also wondering now how many of the other adaptations kind of followed suit with this in just only doing half of the book. And making Heathcliff more romantic. Yeah. Yeah. Has anybody actually attempted to do the whole thing (laughs) the right way? Heathcliff more of a certified lover boy. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Uh, Yeah. No, I think very good points. And uh, I think that's, it's hard to kind of, you know, talk about this movie outside of that lens, specifically yeah. us having read the book. I know. I don't think it's possible. So like, recently. It's, I don't know. You can't call the movie Wuthering Heights like <laughs> after <laughs> be a classic novel. Like, you just can't, and then expect it to you know stand on its own and not be compared to what the book has to say. Like, I don't know. I just don't think you can do that. The comparison has to happen. You took that story and you watered it down. Not cool. Much like Grog is watered down. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. There's layers to this game. (laughs) Um, Leo G. Carroll is in this movie. He was Joseph. (laughs) Okay, cool. He's one of my favorite character actors. He's in a bunch of Hitchcock movies. Oh, nice. The Joseph in this movie was not really, I don't know. He was kind of just background. Yeah. Character. But I just like seeing him show up and stuff. I'm a big fan. Nice. That's awesome. So what I read about the two leads of this movie, and who knows really oh, how. Yeah. I- they just kind of didn't really like each other. And the guy who plays Heathcliff, Lawrence, um, was very cocky at this point in his career and was kind of trying to tell everybody else what's what and told um what's the girl's name merle Merle. told merle that he was not a fan of her performance in the movie that she had done before this so things were just rocky from them from from the get-go but then when they did that scene in the heather where they're like holding each other and they're very close um she gets mad at him because he i guess like spit comes out of his mouth when he speaks and she's like you're literally spitting on me like you literally spat all over me and she yells at him and he calls her a bitch and like that was it like after that just chaos ensued on the set because they hated each other because he could not get over that she screamed at him for accidentally spitting on her a little bit <laughs> there you have it there you have it that's the drama the hot goss from um, the yeah. set that's super interesting and the director (laughs) william wyler Mm -hmm. went on to be one of the most kind of respected studio yeah and i guess i feel like this is one of his earlier movies i think i i guess he really humbled Laurence olivier on the set of this movie and years later Laurence was like i owe like a lot of my career to him uh because he brought me back down to earth basically like i was not going to keep getting away with behaving the way that i was so that's interesting. I got gotcha. like it takes a pretty skilled director to do something like that. Yeah. 
then he worked with Hitchcock right after. Who was oh, cool. Kind of known as being maybe a little abusive towards his actors. Oh, interesting. I'm just looking through and it does look like he had he had already directed some pretty substantial stuff. He had been, uh, William Wyler, had been kind of around forever. And okay. uh, towards kind of starting with the sound era, he kind of started making a, a name for himself and uh, had already directed a few, maybe not quite classics, but successful pictures by this point okay cool so he was probably he probably he wasn't the the big cheese yet but he was he was probably <laughs> already on the rise uh the nice. time of this one very cool um yeah the cinematographer for this greg toland is a big name he did citizen kane is probably his best known for and they they did lots of uh innovative stuff on citizen kane mm. and uh, i was really impressed by by a few of the shots there's another one that, that i thought was cool when she's kathy's doing her little speech uh, mm-hmm. when heathcliff runs away and there's yeah. a shot where he says like she says like i am heathcliff and then the lightning strikes behind her. <laughs> i know i like that too that was done super cool i thought so too it made it made that moment all the more eerie. I really liked it. Cause she says it. And then the lightning strikes almost like it's like a big reveal, like almost like for a yeah. second, it's like, Whoa, is she like, what is she saying? She was Heathcliff all along. Heathcliff is a figment of her imagination. Like it almost like conjures up some feelings like that. Mm. <laughs> when she says it, you don't understand. I am Heathcliff. I loved that line. That was great. Yeah. I think, well, honestly, like thinking about it now, most of my, problems with this were with kind of the screenplay and how it was adapted from the book yeah i I think as a movie i have very little complaints just besides you know some of the supporting characters i didn't think right did like that much to kind of cement themselves but i thought all the all the big like show-stopping scenes with either both of them together or solo between Mm -hmm. heathcliff and kathy Mm -hmm. were actually well done and well well shot and well acted also yeah i do agree with that Um, i like them together oh i did have a point that's that's uh i don't know like not not a not a critique of the movie at all Mm -hmm. uh just kind of the the way that wuthering heights and what is it thrush thrush cross grange Uh are uh, portrayed (laughs) in this one are very different (laughs) from what i was picturing in my head reading the book oh my god me too for sure. Specifically, Thrush, Thrush, Thrush Cross Grange. <laughs> uh, uh, it was way fancier than I was picturing. Me too. I was picturing kind of the same kind of vibe, just a little bit fancier, a little bit nicer. But it, it's the, the way that they're kind of contrasted in this one. Mm-hmm. I mean, also kind of hammers home this idea of, of like class differences. Totally. Which I think might have been a bit of a liberty, but. Mm-hmm shown through like pretty clearly mm. at the same time. Yeah. I really wish that they had made it like foggier or something or rainier. Every time they were outside, I was like, they got the wind, they got the watering part. Of this there was place. a couple of cool sound design things at the yeah. wind that I was like, <laughs> all right. <laughs> but I just wanted like that gloom to yeah. shine more, I guess. But you know, what can you do? Yeah, very fair. Um, it was snowy at the beginning when 
Lockwood <laughs> rolls up. <laughs> oh, what did you think about the ending? What do you mean, like the way that how the movie how the movie ended? Yeah, <laughs> it made me roll my eyes a little bit. Oh, really? Um, <clears throat> I don't think that I minded it all that much, but I liked it way better in the book. Again, I guess it just yeah. keeps going back down to that. Although, I guess I didn't really love Merle's performance on her deathbed. I don't like. I didn't like that she was like kind of happy, kind of like carry me to the window. I just want to see, I want to look out on the planes one last time. I was like, shut up. You guys are supposed to be like torturing each other yeah. right to the very end, you know? I, I don't know. I didn't like that. I didn't like how frail she was by the end, maybe. I wanted her to be crazy. Oh, like, gotcha. Black. And, like, I thought she did good, some cool stuff with her eyes. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, but I, I guess I was more kind of specifically talking about just like, as far as like the framing device and how they come is she ends the story oh. and the doctor rolls up and says, Oh, I saw them. I saw them out there. Oh walking. yeah. I kind of forgot about that. That's the part that made me roll my eyes. Uh, I thought the ending scene, like the, the confrontation uh, where Kathy dies was mostly done pretty well. Okay. I was, I, was, I like that. Well, that one didn't. That that I just want to clear that that didn't make me roll my eyes. I thought that was okay. Cool. Okay, but like the sighting of the two ghosts together, yeah, and then Heathcliff's right. just like dead. I guess. Yeah. Random. Um, I didn't really mind it, but I think only because Lockwood like sees Kathy's ghost like kind of legitimately at mm. the beginning. So it's like okay, they set this up to be like an actual kind of ghost story. I, I think it's kind of cute that then there was a ghost sighting of the yeah. two of them together. I'm Actually, down. With it. Now that you say that, that is that's kind of cool that they that they did that. Yeah. And then because it, it it ties into this thing from the ending of the book too, where they just see the where and people have ghost sightings. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad that that got to be included. You know. <laughs> yeah, I am too. Anything else to say about Weathering Heights, the movie? I don't think so. I wish it was a musical. I'll say that much. <laughs> Not me. <laughs> I want to see Laurence Olivier sing. <laughs> and dance. That's so funny. It's mostly dance. He never... <laughs> I bet he, he's a good dancer. Did he ever dance? I have no idea. I don't think he, he did. kind of looks like he would. Yeah. He's got the vibe. Exactly. Would you rate it? I give this one a solid seven out of ten. Nice. I, I gave it, it six. Six. Gotcha. Six out of ten. Just okay. I'm. I think it's a pretty strong seven. Just as a movie, I thought it was done real well. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I thought the melodrama was so fun. Like, just yeah. if, if I hadn't read the book and just watched this as a movie, I would have said, "This is so extra. I love it." <laughs> That's funny. Um. Especially, yeah, kind of towards the end when when the that that last kind of scene <laughs> mm-hmm. confrontation, yeah, um, yeah, I think it did a, about as good as it could have. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think I probably agree. Um, yeah, I wouldn't want to see an adaptation of this made today. I just know it would be awful. Oh my god, me neither. It would suck. 
Like, <laughs> I, I could just, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like this could make a good uh, limited series, though. <laughs> I had that same thought. It's just a long story. You have to just kind of give it a lot of time. Yeah. And I think you would also benefit from being broken up into yeah, segments. No, I think it's specifically that. Uh, like things that I feel like cover a lot of time like that. Mm-hmm. Um, cover a lot of time but are still detailed at each point in that time. Yeah. Uh, are probably best not in a single sitting. Yeah, I think I agree with that. Um, yeah. Nice. Cool. There you have it. All right. Me. Next week, we're going to watch the next adaptation. of <laughs> We're stuck in an endless loop. We fought, we started, we start another podcast where we just watch a different version of whether he hides every week. <laughs> That's funny. That'd be wild. Yeah, it would. Um, cool. I think that's all we have to say about that one. I think so too. Uh, do you want to do wrap up next week? It's a little bit early, but. Mm, sure. I think it would be okay. Yeah, I think so too. I've already seen a good amount of stuff to talk about and hopefully <laughs> I'll finish a book by then. If not, I'll have more to say for next month. So, okay. <laughs> I think that'd be cool just cause I don't know what else to do for next week. Okay. Really? So sounds good to me. So April wrap up and uh, we'll see from there. Sounds good. Cool. Which means all that is left to do for this time around is to recommend an album. Give an album for this week. I'm going to recommend to the folks at home. (laughs) I'm going to recommend Midnight in a Moonless Dream by the Buttertones. I love this album. It's very spooky. It really kind of fits the vibes of uh, Wuthering Heights um, because it's very haunting. Uh, but I'm seeing the Buttertones live tomorrow. So they've just kind of been on my mind. I've been listening to them and getting ready for the concert. And I just, yeah, really like that album. It's very unique. Not not a lot of uh, other songs come to mind that sound quite like those. There you go. Oh, yeah. Lady Denim is opening for them, aren't they? Uh-huh. Yeah. Cool. I yeah, was a huge good. fan of the Buttertones uh, for a little while. Oh, really? Until they had some allegations brought up. I know. I was. And then I felt weird about it. I know. I, uh, they briefly like got Midnight's in a Moonless Dream was like removed from Spotify for a time because of all of that stuff. But I think they like kicked out the member of their band that was like accused of everything. So I feel okay. Yeah. Hopefully they're (laughs) Well, I think, yeah. No, I feel like in in a situation like that, you know, it's either you get rid of the, like deal with the problems and move forward or yeah. you deal with the problems by breaking up. Yeah. So yeah. I feel like it, it shows a lot. Cause they were, it was before, I think it, it was kind of weird uh, at some point in COVID just every band had mm-hmm. something said and yeah. it got to a certain point where it's like, okay, what, what's like g- really going on here? I know. Um, but the butter tones were definitely before that whole wave. Hit. Yeah. They're like yeah. at least towards the start of it. Right. Um, but so I think it says a lot that they're able to kind of regroup and, and yeah, kick out that guy things and things again and, yeah. and still be a band. I agree. Um, yeah. I'm excited to see them live. See yeah, how it goes. That's super cool. Yeah. Next, my album is uh, The New Abnormal by The Strokes. Cool. 
Um, I had been listening to this one recently and I looked up to see how recent it was. And this came out April 10th, 2020. And it got me thinking and I forgot to announce at the last or two weeks ago that we were now three years old as a podcast. Oh my gosh. Um, happy our birthday first now. episode was on <laughs> April 4th, 2020. So it feels like a lifetime ago. It's crazy. That yeah, our this podcast is older than this album that I'm recommending, just <laughs> barely. Yeah, uh, which feels like it's been out for a while now, and uh, it's really good though. Uh, and I've been listening to it recently. Nice, the Strokes' most recent one. Very nice. Um, yeah, go listen to it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's just funny because when we turned one year old, it was like a super big deal. Yeah, totally. But at this point, it's just another year, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Which is kind of cool that we've been able to kind of keep it up and be fairly consistent. You know, we, we miss really a week cool. here and there, but uh, yeah. we've been able to keep it going. And now I'm proud of us. Yeah. <laughs> it's becoming a, a very important part of my life. So. Mine too. Yay. Awesome. Happy birthday, speaking English. Happy belated birthday. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. So we'll be back uh, next week for April wrap up, Yay. which is crazy that April, I mean, it's still, it's not <laughs> going to be over by the time, but it feels right. like this month just started yet at the same time, I've actually done a good amount of stuff. I don't know. It's also <laughs> weird. It's, it's weird. That'll be next week. Thanks for listening this time around. Yes. And, uh, thank keep you. on weathering. <laughs> keep up the good work uh, do great things we both believe in you we do thank you everybody and good night bye now <laughs>